Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are here for yet another episode today and with a new friend of mine, brand new friend of mine, Keisha Saffold. Thank you so much, Keisha, for making time for the Boca Podcast. I'm so excited to be here today. And, and I was actually telling you this right before we get started. You've got just such a great vibe and energy about you that I'm, I'm naturally drawn in. So I'm, I'm just that much more excited for our conversation today. But I have to ask you right away, tell me about your photography business name. This is not something I sent to you a question ahead of time, but I'm just so curious. Short Stuff Photo, where does that come from? So obviously, I'm vertically challenged. My last name is Saffold, and apparently that's very difficult to say. Okay. So I get Stafford, Scafford, um, just any way you can butcher Saffold, that's what happens. And so I originally thought my photography business was going to be centered around children. Okay. And I just found that in my market and with my experience, that um, that didn't necessarily translate to the dollars that I needed to sustain my business. Mm. But that's initially how the short stuff photography came about. Okay. Well, so that's, well, I just wanted some context to the conversation. And by the way, for those of you listening in, we'll make sure to link to Keisha's both website and Instagram in the show notes. It's shortstuffphotography.com and then shortstuffphoto on Instagram. But I had to ask because I, I just wanted to get some context to that. It's such a, it's, it's an eye-catching, attention-grabbing name and I love it, but I had to get context to it. So I appreciate you sharing that. Let's just jump right in. First question All I norm- right. normally ask our guests uh, here at the Boca Podcast is about their technique for time, or more specifically, how they create time for themselves in their lives so that they don't have to stay behind the computer working nonstop. Is there something that you do in your day-to-day, week-to-week workflow that gives you more free time in your life? So this is going to sound completely unrelated, but I get up every morning at 4 a.m. Oh, wow. I go to the gym at 5 a.m., so I'm at the gym working out from 5 to 6. Okay. Initially... It was about, you know, losing weight. Hey, I'm going to just, you know, eat the frog and just knock it on out. But what I found out is that getting up at 4 a.m. and going to that gym class, it it keeps me disciplined in all the areas of my life. So that's in eating, that's in doing all the small things that I dislike. And that's what has really tremendously helped me as far as keeping my time because I'm up early. Now I have a regimen. So when I get up after I come back from the gym, listening to morning more morning motivational mm. um, videos on YouTube, like if you um, YouTube like morning motivation, yeah, you'll get like this great you know list of um, I don't know what they playlist or something that'll come up and it will have you pumped and so. I come home, I do my meditation, I make my coffee, <laughs> and then I'm able to just start with my day. But that really keeps me aligned and centered. Okay, so this is interesting on, on a number of fronts. First of all, I was literally just having a conversation with with Paul Seiler for the podcast, but we were talking about the significance of routine and how, how that actually helps encourage 
uh, even discipline, as you're alluding to, Keisha. I, but I, let me start first with 4 a.m. Why specifically 4? Like, that is so early. Like, I love, a, for example, like a 6 a.m. wake-up time. But 4 is just taking it to a whole different level. How did you land on that time? Because the class is at 5 a.m. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> That's very practical then. what Can I ask what type of workout class? So I go to, I don't know if we can say the name of the um, company, but it's Orange Theory. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I like it because it's a one-hour workout is um, led by a coach. So I'm not fumbling and, and foddering around because I will mess things up. Like if I'm tired, I'll be like, look, I'm tired. I'm going home. I'm only 10 minutes <laughs> into my workout. Yeah. Well, I, I had the opportunity to, to do an Orange Theory, actually a couple of Orange Theory workouts a little while back with uh, my friends, Sean Austin and uh, Todd Watson with uh, Show It and, and Kiss Books. And they, this is something that Sean does on a regular basis, and I'd never had the experience before. But I can imagine that at like five, we'll just say we'll call it five ten. By five ten a.m., that class starts at five five ten a.m. You are more than waking up between the music and the yes. type of workout. It's it's intense, mm-hmm. and and of course you got the coach talking to you or maybe even yelling at you in some cases. That's and right. It is intense, but I w- I will say walking out of those those classes was so invigorating. That was such a great hard workout. How many times a week do you go to that? So I go between three and five now. Okay. That's really, I will say too, and for those of you who might be curious, you're like, I'm looking for a new workout opportunity or solution here um, because obviously there are a variety of types of workouts out there. Um, It is, it's on the pricier side, um, but what you get for the money is kind of mind blowing. In fact, they're actually opening an Orange Theory just down the street from where I live right now, and it is so tempting to to sign up, even for you know one or two classes a week, uh, because what you get in that hour is incredible. It, it's a uh, intensity or high intensity interval style training that mixes cardio and calisthenics and a little bit of weights. Um, it's it's amazing. So I, I can see where the motivation might come to get up that early. And that's exactly right. And I got to say, the reason why I love the gym is also probably it's like a love hate relationship because you pay all this money. It's the most money I've ever paid for a gym membership. Yeah. But I'm I'm the person before who was paying 10 or 30 dollars a month and not ever going to the gym. Yes. Yeah. There's, the gyms get you on that. Right. They, they charge you 10, 20 bucks. They know that you probably won't follow through, but then it'll come out of your bank account. You really won't think about it. And then in the meantime, you're you're not going to the gym. And so I guess putting more investment into it then motivates you to go more consistently. And it's, it's I guess, to me, and it also kind of aligns with what I'm doing in business. And maybe that because of me doing what I'm doing is what made me say, oh, OK, you know what? Let me pay the extra money to actually go and to actually get in shape. And then it had all these extra benefits that came along with it that I didn't know was going to be a part of the now I'm more disciplined. I've, I, I don't know if I've never been just a completely undisciplined person, but definitely <laughs> concerning my health or as far as eating right and yeah. you know stuff like that. I, I never considered myself a health health fanatic, you know. Well, and and this is by far I mean, we, this is definitely not a, a health podcast per se, but I think it's worth <laughs> continuing to explore the psychology of this a little bit more because I, I know as a photography business owner, as a business owner, period. And certainly being involved in the industry now for almost 20 years, 
Um, this is this can be a challenge for our fellow photography business owners. Number one, having the discipline just to have a consistent workout. Two, very closely tied to that, I want to ask you about this actually, is eating healthily uh, in a consistent manner as well. And then just finding out what system works best, right? Um, I mean, because we, we, in many cases, have the freedom to, uh, at least some of us anyway, if we don't have kids or otherwise, that, to sleep in a little bit late. And, and then that just kind of that tendency to start off slow can translate to the way that we function the rest of the day uh, in some cases. But you mentioned, and I, the psychology of this is interesting to me, you mentioned that the discipline to get up that early, to go to the gym, and, and of course, also the investment associated with that has then translated to the way that you eat as well. Can you explain maybe the, the mentality behind that? Yeah, I had this great kick butt workout, and then I'm going to go undo all my work by going through drive through the drive through. Ah, uh, yeah. And then even that. So one of the things my family and I were laughing about the other day is, you know, one of the big places and that they're not consistent. And so, you know, you go think you're going to get these French fries, you know, it's like, Hey, don't think you're going to get um, hot, fresh food two times in a row. If you get hot, fresh food, just take your blessing and move with it. Don't go back thinking you're going to, you know, get this great food two times in a row. And so I, I like for me, just finding out that I'm paying all this extra money thinking you're tricked into thinking is not a lot, but it turns out that it really is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, going through a drive through the food isn't good. The service sucks. And then I might as well just cooked and prepared the meal at home and been healthy. Well, and like you said, not undo all the work that you're doing at the gym. It is it is just totally illogical in the end. And and so I, I like hearing your thought process on this. And, and for those of you who are curious, I would recommend at least going and taking one of these Orange Theory classes. It will it may even kind of change your whole perspective about what it means to work out. Not only the the intensity of the classes, it kind of sheds light and perspective on the lack of intensity maybe in the workouts that you're already doing. But Exactly um, right. Yeah, but but it also just shows how being involved and I mean it's a very community driven workout, right? So you're you're all hooked exactly in. You've right. you've got your 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 little armband on, so it's tracking your heart rate, and those stats go up on the screen, and um, it becomes a bit of a competition, which is a lot of fun. You're motivated <laughs> by seeing others working out around you, and you've got your the, the coach that's driving you, that's pushing you. It's a really great environment. So uh, this is definitely not sponsored by Orange Theory, but we'll make. Right. We'll make sure to link to them in the show notes for those of you who are curious about that. Um, Definitely make sure I'll go ahead and throw this caveat in just to play it safe. Make sure that you've had a doctor's visit before you go, because it is a pretty intense workout. You want to make sure you're in the right place physically to to get involved with that. But thank you for for shedding light on this this so-called technique for time. And I think, again, it was a, a conversation uh, that's important because the way that we start off our day and particularly the way that we take care of our bodies can translate dramatically to the way that we then certainly run our personal lives, but also run our business. And uh, that's really important to know. I mean, I've seen this impact even recently in my life as I've prioritized this even more. So uh, thanks for starting us off this way, Keisha. Talk to us about one of the most impactful books that you've read. The most impactful book, I thought really hard about this question, and I had to conclude that it's Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Oh, yes. Okay. And because, you know, it has, you know, this long list of principles, desire, faith, organized planning, persistence, um, the power of the mind and subconscious. And I feel like the reason why that really resonated with me 
is, um, you know, I'm in Alabama, so I'm in the Bible Belt, right? Yeah. So, you know, faith, um, you know, it's without faith. How? Oh, God, I'm about to butcher the... (laughs) I'm not going to be a very good advocate for... (laughs) (laughs) No worries, no worries. For quoting scriptures properly. But, you know, basically you have to have faith in order to to receive, right? Yeah. And so, you know, one of the principles in this book is like for you, for a desire to come true, you know, you have to have faith that it's possible and that it will come, mm. come true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can just say for myself, it's really easy to say, oh, well, this is happening for this person because they have this, or this happens for that person because they have, they possess this special quality. Oh, but it won't happen for me. Grabbing that notion that our beliefs hold power and that you really do get what you believe. And that truly resonated with me. And then like one of the principles, like, you know, like choosing your company wisely, even back to that orange theory example. Yeah. You know, cause I'm, I, I was like, Hey, I'm not a punk. <laughs> like you're not going to punk me like that. I can run my first uh, workout. I, I like to fill out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, Oh my God, I'm seeing stars. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, being surrounded by that right kind of kind of motivation that's yes. going to inspire and challenge you. 100%. And just realizing, you know, the people that you're around that, you know, are your negative Nancy's or, you know, what I'm saying. So it was that, that I feel like that was the, the thing that I, what was really impactful to me about the book was realizing that I had the power of my mind. I had to change what I thought and what I felt inside that it is possible for me. Yeah, and you, and you mentioned two words there, uh, which I've either alluded to or spoken to on the podcast in the past, but one is belief and another one is choice. And I literally have these words tattooed in Japanese on, on my arms uh, because I'm, I'm realizing, I, I realize the significance of these concepts in my life personally, and they certainly carry over into business as well. But first of all, the idea of belief um, it can certainly have religious connotation, but at the end of the day, beliefs literally drive everything that we do, right? Like I, I go and sit down in a chair because I believe it's going to hold me up. Fortunately, at least in most cases, that is actually a, a, an accurate <laughs> belief. But then there are certain beliefs that that we build, whether consciously or subconsciously, that aren't necessarily enabling beliefs. And so it's important to understand the belief or set of beliefs that we develop those beliefs, if they're strong enough, um, as Tony Robbins talks about, drive emotion. And then those emotions, if they're strong enough, drive action. So at the root of the way that we behave, whether it's in our personal lives or business lives or combination of the above, it's driven by belief. And we have the ability to choose those beliefs. And this is a really powerful concept to grasp, and it might take a little bit of practice, consistent Mm -hmm. practice, but it can make a massive, massive difference in our personal and professional lives. I love that you bring this to light. We'll make sure to link to that book uh, in the show notes too. For those of you listening in, make sure you take advantage of the resource of the show notes. If you go to Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com, you'll see a a load of show notes there. The resources, anything that Keisha and I talk about today um, that is linkable will be linked there in the show notes at bookapodcast.com. Let me go to another question, Keisha. From one, I mean, the things that you've learned in business thus far, what is one of the most important lessons? Or if you put another way, if you had 15 seconds to share a piece of advice with a fellow photographer, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Don't buy everything you see on YouTube. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and expound on that just a little bit. Like, what's your experience been in that realm? you'll end up with a whole bunch of junk. Yeah. 
because they'll sell you on, you know, this end product. And just the whole short of it is we all start out as beginners. And the only way you're going to get better and master your craft is to just really, truly practice on a regular daily basis. Mm. And, you know, I feel like um, I fell victim (laughs) a few times to, oh, you need this right here, you know, to make your pictures amazing. And then I got it and it was like, um, okay, my pictures still suck. I don't know Yeah, it's not always about the equipment in the end, right? I mean, I and right. I've, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but the the my first digital camera because I actually started in film as a wedding photographer and then transitioned to, to digital in about two thousand five. But my first digital camera was a Nikon D one X, and and back then this camera was at, at the top of its game. But in comparison to two thousand nineteen standards, I mean, it, the, the dynamic range was terrible. Um, it was only it was under six megapixels. I mean, my my the camera on my phone has more megapixels now, right? Um, it's kind of That's funny right. to look back on, but in retrospect, even in retrospect, I can still and and if I had that camera now, I could still capture a beautiful image if I was conscientious of the technique used uh, in capturing the image, and and I don't have to have the latest you know Sony mirrorless camera to do that. Um, it's, it's a lot of, it's just understanding technique and what enables you to be able to capture an image from a technical standpoint that will allow you to use pretty much any equipment that you want to. Uh, again, we've got phone, you know, cameras on our phones now that will capture stunning images if you understand how to use the equipment. So that's way, way more important. I think this is a great, great piece of advice and reminder for all of us. That's exactly right. Talk to us about your photography business and, and more specifically something that we talk about in the podcast all the time, your photography business is brand position. And I know that a lot of photographers aren't familiar with this particular phrase. So very simply, I would define a brand position as the unique selling point of your photography business, the thing that you do different than other photographers in your market. What would that be for you? I think I tend to attract those who don't like taking pictures, who label themselves as um, not photogenic because they, I don't know, I guess because of my personality, Hmm. I tend to make people feel very comfortable and I'm really silly. I'm I'm being very serious for you today. (laughs) Okay. You can be (laughs) as silly as you'd like. It'll make, it'll make the podcast that much more interesting. Being very serious for your podcast today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I subscribe to the Sue Bryce model and, you know, where I offer the professional makeup. Okay. I do a quick turnaround. I know that's the area specific here in my market where a lot of photographers don't offer a quick turnaround. Interesting. Time. So that's where I feel like maybe I'm a little different is particularly with that professional makeup because um, the people when I'm going to book a portrait session, right? It's like, okay, what is the first things? What am I going to wear and how I'm going to look? And so I just found that early in my, in my business, um, people would come in have their portraits taken. They'd have this amazing picture, but they hated it. And it didn't have anything to do with the picture. It was because they didn't like their makeup. They didn't like the hair or, and it's just something about when you get made up, you know, like if you have an event or something, particularly women, you know, we're getting all made up and dolled up and, you know, you're feeling yourself, you're looking good, you're feeling yeah. good. And yeah. It'll make you move a little different. <laughs> you have a little more confidence in there that you didn't know was in there. And I could, you know, kind of pull that out of you. So everybody wants to feel good about themselves, whether they'll articulate that to you, verbalize that to you or not. 
everybody wants to feel good about themselves. Everybody wants to feel beautiful. And so to be able to bring out what's already within. Mm. So they're like, oh, you're magic. No, I'm not magic. I'm just bringing out what was already in there. You know, I so the phrase inspiring confidence comes to mind here. Um, your brand is focused on inspiring confidence in your subjects. And when I think about a brand position, uh, while some photographers may do this kind of indirectly or subconsciously, this is something that you're actually outwardly focused on. And if, for somebody who is about to sign up for a session with you, I can imagine that seeing something like that on your website would maybe ease a little bit of tension, or even in your Instagram account for that matter, it would ease a little bit of attention knowing that Keisha is going to help me feel better about myself. That that seems like a really great place to start. I love it because sometimes you can see people that are kind of shy and withdrawn. You see this little shell around them and, you know, and after they get made up and dolled up and, uh, you know, and of course, you know, I've become friends and follow um, my customers and stuff. And, yeah. you know, now they're just selfie central and you just, it, it's really life changing just being able to, give them those new eyes to see themselves. That's really, really good. Well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to come back to your website here in the next uh, few weeks. And I'm going to look for that phrase on there. Cause I think you could, I think you could just capture people's attention with that idea of inspiring confidence. It's that is a, I, I love the mission uh, essentially that you have created for yourself, which is to inspire confidence in your, in your clients. And I think a focus on that will help drive everything that you do in creating the experience for your client. And this is a good example too, for those of you listening in, if you're trying to figure out what it is that you do differently, um, part of that can come in, in the means of, or, or via the medium of the photography itself. Although it is difficult these days to take a, a photograph that is truly unique from the thousands and thousands of other photo photographers work out there. But part of the way that you can set yourself apart, too, is in the experience, um, as Keisha is demonstrating. And, and I think that's a, a really good reminder for us all. You, you mentioned gear earlier, Keisha. And I, I am curious, actually, potentially from all of the, the gear that you bought as a result of watching YouTube, what is one of the most unusual pieces of gear in your camera bag? I just bought a prism. Really? Okay. So <laughs> I, I know that this has been a thing. I mean, I've seen it popped up uh, here and there. Uh, I never personally used one for my photographic work. What's your experience been like? I played with it. I think I bought the wrong shape one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think I bought the wrong shape one because I couldn't figure out how to not get my fingers and stuff to show up in it. But I love, um, I got a thing. I'm a sucker for reflections. And so I love any any kind of image where I can showcase some kind of reflection in it. And so that was my, my goal in doing that was to do that. So, yeah, I don't know if I necessarily got the right kind, but I'm always, <laughs> that's the, the most, I don't want to say bizarre, but. Well, how, how often do you find yourself using that in a session? Cause I know that, you know, sometimes we get an unusual piece of gear like that and then we can overuse it cause we're so excited about it and then it takes away from the unique factor. So how often do you find yourself or do you think that you'll be using it in a session? So what it did for me was made me find, so because I couldn't figure out, because I'm silly, <laughs> how to not, it didn't, I, I did, it didn't have the intended result that I wanted, Okay, but it made me look for other ways to do um, different things yeah. to achieve different effects. I'm really huge on, I try to get my stuff in camera the way I want it. I think one of the, I don't know, myths about doing this is that we love 
uh, working in Photoshop and, oh, you can Photoshop that. Actually, I hate Photoshop. Actually, I'm not really good at editing. And so if I can nail it in the camera um, as much as possible, that's Absolutely. my goal. Yeah. And so, um, so it just made me look for different, more creative ways to be able to achieve different effects, you know, in camera. And, uh, and I, I feel like it's, it's challenged my creativity. Yeah. The, I mean, life, business, everything's really about perspective, right? Gaining a different mm-hmm. perspective and, and having a tool like that, that can help shift our perspective a little bit, I think is a, is a really, really great thing. I, tell me about your business a little bit more. How long have you been in business so far and what thus far are you most proud of and what you've accomplished with your business? Besides being on the Boca podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that is truly our privilege. I'm, I'm really stoked to have you on. Um, so I've been uh, doing pictures professionally since 2013. Okay. So here's my little small kind of quirky, weird thing. I actually own daycare centers, right? So I have two daycare centers and um, I just found from my experience that people would come in, you know, we have the big business come in and, um, you know, of course they're just number driven oriented. And I just felt like they were taking advantage of my clients. And so then I had other photographer people in the community come in and I felt like they saw the dollar signs and, you know, I just felt like the product we were getting was trash. Hmm. So I was like, Hey, these people are coming in benefiting off of my business. I'm going to, you know, cause I've always, always been a hobby. You know, like probably everybody, you know, it started out as a hobby and then turned into a profession um, or career. So that's how I got started. And, um, you know, then, you know, of course, people know that you take pictures and one thing leads to another. So I've had the studio almost three years now. I started in my garage. (laughs) Wow. And the thing I'm most proud of is last year I was voted best photographer in my area. You know, every area has that best of. Yeah, yeah. And so I was voted best photographer of my area last year. So oh, that that's was- awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. So, but this is after only having been in business. I mean, you said you've only had the studio for three years. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've moved pretty quickly through the ranks, if you will, and, and certainly in the local industry. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about what to, to discuss on the podcast interview today. Uh, and and I'm, I'm kind of focusing in on this idea of how to go professional or become a professional photographer and, and a successful one at that without getting overwhelmed. And and you and this is something that you were alluding to and, and two big ideas that have enabled you to have the success that you have in a relatively short amount of time, you said were systems, number one, mm-hmm. and then marketing. So I yes, want to start right. with, with systems here. And this is going to be, I, I think this is not only going to be applicable for those listening in who are newer photographers just getting started or maybe looking to get started, uh, but then also for those who maybe have had a business for a while, I think these are principles that are applicable across the board. But let's start with systems. And are you just naturally, and I think you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but are you naturally an organized person to begin with? Like what was the motivation to put good systems in place for your business? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> okay. I appreciate the honesty. has never been my strong point. Okay. <laughs> so I absolutely had to do it. Um, uh, organization is God's plan to simplify my life. Mm, I like that. <laughs> so I absolutely had to get organized in order to do this. I, I one of the things, one of my uh, personal pet peeves is I do not want to be in a situation where I come across as incompetent. Mm. 
and not being organized and having stuff here, there and everywhere will make you look cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And <laughs> I did not like that look for myself. No, I, I get that. But, you know, you, on top of that, though, you alluded to something which is really kind of huge. And I don't think I, I've heard it framed this way before, which is that organization actually helps simplify your life. A lot of photographers, artist types, I think that the assumption is, you know, oh, structure. You know, I got out of my corporate job so that I could be my own boss and do my own thing and run my business the way that I want to. And if I want to, you know, sleep in until 11 a.m. and then go um, play, you know, watch Netflix for three hours and then go do this thing and that thing and and have this kind of lack of structure, then I can do that. It's That's my my right, my privilege. I'm my own boss. And I get the thought process to it to a point. But the the point that you make, which I think is so important to note here, is that that structure ultimately, it doesn't complicate your life. It actually frees you up. And and I'd love for you to maybe just expound on that. We're going to get into some of the systems that you've implemented in your business uh, for the sake of the simplicity. But can you explain a little bit that thought process where its structure actually helps simplify your life? So, for example... One of the things that I used to struggle with was, you know, being intimidated, not marketing to previous customers. And, you know, like I um, said earlier, I follow them on on social media and stuff and I see they continue on. They're taking pictures with other photographers and I missed out on opportunities by not following up, by not having a database, you know, because they're just written down on a scrap sheet of paper or, you know, I didn't store their numbers or have. I didn't even have any way to contact them other than reaching back out to them on social media. So just things like that. Like, okay, I don't even, like, that's crazy. Like you would be my customer. You've spent money with me and I don't even have a means of contacting you besides going on your Facebook page. (laughs) Right. Yes. Well, some systems in place that enable you to, first of all, organize information, um, are, that's a great, great place to start. And maybe this is a good segue, actually, into some of the systems that you use to run your business more efficiently. Can you go ahead and share some of those with us? Yeah. So um, the one I I love is Tailwind app. Actually, everybody I'm getting ready to name, I'm going to love. But the Tailwind app, that's um, T-A-I-L-W-I-N-D app, A-P-P dot com. The reason why I love, so that's how you want to schedule social media specifically to Instagram and to Pinterest. Okay. The reason why I love Tailwind is because it generates time. It takes, you tell it how many times a day or week you want to post to right. social media. It gives you this time schedule. And, you know, of course you can change it and customize it however you want, but also it gives you hashtag suggestions. And that was one of the biggest drawbacks and just, you know, frustrating things. Like how do I figure out what hashtags to use and, it's, that can be really intimidating. So, it really can, yeah. Um, so that's why I like that. My new big thing is Dubsado. You know, I know there's lots of, you know, your 17 hats, your, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head yeah, right Yeah, HoneyBook and ShootProof. Yeah, there there are a large list. But you were talking about the management of your client's information. Dubsado is where that steps in, right? That's exactly right. And so now to have that funnel, to get those, that's the very first thing that happens is you get their information and then you just, you know, you set your workflow and you just, you go from there. And so now I don't feel like I'm dropping the ball. It's not contingent on, you know, when I get a inquiry on social media and it's not contingent on if I'm in town, if I'm out of town, if I'm in the middle of something, or if I'm not in the middle of something, this right. happens automatically. And it's not like I can drop a ball. And that's why I like that. 
Ah, that's good. Okay. So Tailwind, Dub Sato, what's another one? Hey, pal. I know everybody has, I know I've seen some chatter online about, you know, the way to take money. The reason why I like PayPal is because number one, that's usually how I do most of my purchases online anyway as well. Okay. But sometimes, um, particularly when people pay cash, I just like the documentation of it. Yeah. Is what I particularly like in that way, because I'm busy, um, you know, I, when I was taking cash payments and stuff, you know, we meet at the grocery store, we meet at the post office or, you know, we're going to meet at this McDonald's on the side of the road or something is, you know, just documenting everything. So now I've got that PayPal app. If even they pay me cash, I can document that cash payment and it's going to um, send them a text or an email. That's just the way that it worked for me. Uh, I personally hadn't necessarily researched in the different, I know there's square and sure. you know, all, all these other things, but that's just what's personally worked for me. Now, are you able to tie those? You mentioned that it sends them a receipt, um, but then I'm thinking about just general accounting. Are you able to tie PayPal into like QuickBooks or some other accounting software as well? Or are you just handling that in a, in, on a totally different platform? Right now I'm just handling it on a totally different platform. Okay. All right. So we've got Tailwind, Dubsado, PayPal. Uh, what's another system? Dropbox. Yes. Huge fan. <laughs> and before I didn't want to pay the money for the Dropbox, right? <laughs> yeah. But so very early on in my experience as a professional photographer, I, I came across an instance where I um, lost some files of, of a customer. Hmm. The most tragic, the most heart stopping. Yeah, stressful. <laughs> right. So now as part of my workflow, I'm not sure if we mentioned if I'm going to talk about this different, but as part of my workflow, what happens when I finish a shoot, I'm going to come in. I'm going to upload. So I send my stuff out for editing now. I don't edit in-house anymore um, for my touch-ups. Yeah. So I'm going to upload those images directly in. I put it in Dropbox because that way I don't have to worry about like if something happens to the computer or whatever, the pictures are still there. I won't lose any, you know, lose anything. Yeah, it's nice to have that that backup in the cloud, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, if that computer gets lost, it, it's still going to be in the cloud. And there are a number of cloud-based backup systems, but Dropbox is it's definitely one that's been around, well, at least one of the, the longest standing companies. And I use them on a regular basis. I'm looking at my, uh, my Dropbox logo on my desktop right now, on my laptop right, right now. Um, I, I use Dropbox regularly and consistently, and it's very consistent service at that. And it does make it easy to transfer large files too, or to share large files with a client or third-party company. Um, of course, you can very easily copy a link directly to that file or folder, and and uh, it really is it's great for a workflow. So, and not just that; those are all great things too. But I personally have the iMac at home, yes, and then I have a laptop, and so for me to be able to work. Because one of the things that was happening was if it was in my documents or it's in the pictures folder on my iMac, for example, and I'm working on my laptop and I was having to go back and forth. Mm. And so just being able to have it and it goes in the Dropbox and it doesn't matter what device I'm working on or, you know, where I'm at working on it, I have access to it. Exactly. Yeah. Those files synced across the computers. That's that's also really important. Okay, so we have four different systems now, Tailwind, Dubsado, PayPal, Dropbox, and, and uh, you mentioned that you've got a fifth one. Which one is that? It's Zoom. Yes. 
We are currently on Zoom. For those of you curious, you want to break the fourth wall a little bit. What does this podcasting process look like? We are actually using Zoom. How do you use Zoom? I love it. So, for example, this morning I um, had a meeting with somebody in Lincoln, Nebraska. Wow. Yesterday I had a meeting with someone in Houston, Texas. I don't physically have to go stop and drop what I'm doing and run to the studio to have a meeting. Yeah. Because just just like we're busy, so is our customers. Um, and sometimes, you know, the texting or emailing is just better to make a personal approach to just kind of put that face to it and just explain things as opposed to the language of the computer, because sometimes things can get lost in translation. 100 percent. I feel like it's part of, you know, what we do is so, so um, connect, you know, we need that connection. Yeah, it's, it's very, very true. You make a great point that so much can be lost in text. It's easy to, I know that I'm, I, my personality, I tend to read into a text the way that somebody wrote something out, whether or not they used emoji, because I'm a very emotive person, expressive person myself, uh, even mm-hmm. in texting particularly. And so I look for that. And then I think it's, in some cases, I think I read too much into it. So you can kind of get rid of the possibility of um, things being, information being lost in translation, just have that so-called, um, in air quotes, face-to-face conversation using a tool like Zoom. Why Zoom specifically over, say, Skype or FaceTime or any of the other options out there? I like it particularly because it doesn't matter what kind of phone you have. Ah, okay, yes. So cross-platform. Th- that's exactly right. And and you don't have to do anything special. Yeah, you know, I used, um, I've used Skype in the past. I've used, what is, I think it's Google Hangouts, if that still is around. Google keeps cycling through all these different solutions. But the, the thing about Zoom that I've noticed is it's very, very consistent in maintaining a connection or, or consistent right, connection. Right, right. A, that's a really big deal, too, because if you're trying to have a video conference with a potential client and then it starts to break up and slow down and you can't actually have the conversation, we all know how that would affect the conversation Zoom is actually quite consistent and seems to be able to function, uh, at least they claim anyway, but I've had an overall good experience on a relatively low bandwidth. And so if you're looking for a a consistent solution for video conferencing, uh, then then that is definitely a a great go-to. So Tailwind, Dubsado, PayPal, Dropbox, and Zoom, we'll make sure to link to these systems in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Let's jump to marketing. First of all, just tell me briefly, if you will, what is your background in marketing? I mean, you talked about owning the daycares. I don't know if you have experience marketing the daycares, but what have you learned most about how to be an effective marketer as a photography business owner? That's exactly right. So I have a, I actually have a master's in business, okay, uh, MBA, and of course, um, I've had to own the child care center for almost twenty years, family business. Wow. Okay. So I've got probably about twenty five years in the game on that, and. Just with anything you do, you have to differentiate yourself. You have to put yourself out there, first of all, Mm -hmm. for people to know about you. And gosh, I know this is going to, I feel like it may sound derogatory, but you know, everybody gets a new camera every, somebody's always getting a new camera and now has decided to become a photographer. And so, and if you're not in this, in this industry and this isn't what you do, it may be hard for the average consumer to be able to differentiate you from the next person. He says they're a photographer. It's very true. And, and I have to, to interject here just very quickly. You said it, it sounds derogatory. I don't think there's in any way that the, I should say that statement that you made is in no way derogatory in nature. Um, it, it's just simple fact. And, you know, as, as, a, as a business owner, as a photography business owner, we have to be uh, cognizant of, aware of what is going on in the photography industry. And things have changed significantly over the last 
um, at five, even five years, certainly 10 years and, and beyond. And one of those realities is that a lot of people are picking up a camera and they're starting to take pictures and maybe beginning to charge for it. And so that is a simple reality. What you're stating is simple fact, and I don't think it's derogatory in any way. We have to then more effectively figure out how to differentiate ourselves, how to set ourselves apart. And the reality, we've talked about this on the podcast before, is that the average consumer is not going to look at your good or great photography and look at somebody who has only owned a camera for a year and look at their decent work because let's be real technology these days makes it a lot easier to take a decent picture and know the difference. Um, They're not going to see the nuanced differences between those images. And so if we can't differentiate ourselves with our photography, at least in some cases, or even many cases uh, to those potential clients, then we have to distinguish ourselves in other ways. And and experience is a big part of that, but um, marketing too, how we communicate those differences is a really, really big element at play here. So I'm curious for yourself, what have you found are three of the most effective ways to get your business in front of the eyes of potential clients? So for me, I feel like consistent uh, marketing on social media. So for me, that's Facebook and Instagram. I'm branching out onto YouTube. I do have channels and I, I hope to get more consistent in that. But I feel like consistent social media, first of all, because that's free. If you don't put your stuff out there for people to even know that this is what you do or how how you do whatever your message is that you're trying to convey to people, you've got to do it. And so if, if Facebook and Instagram is free. So that's that's probably been the biggest. I say that I'm going to tell you, I also do advertising with television. TV advertising is not dead. And people think, oh, well, it's expensive. That term is so subjective. Some people think I'm expensive and some people think you know, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's an interesting point. Um, and so I can tell when my ad is running on TV because my phone blows up, the number of messages that come through blows up. And so that's, it's definitely got me because people need to see in here. I can't remember the exact, um, statistic, but there's so many times that people need to see or hear you before they even make note, like, Oh, you know what? That's why, you know, the car commercial runs 50,000 times. Right. That's why the fast food commercial runs off because they know that you have to see or hear that message so many times before it even registers in the mind of the consumer. Um, and so to me, the TV ads is part of being visual and being seen. Um, and so I get told all the time and, and I've done radio ads as well. In fact, um, Mother's Day is coming up. And so I'll be starting um, ads on the radio for um, my Mother's Day campaigns that I'll be doing. Um, and so people tell me all the time, I see you everywhere. And that's what I want them to do. I want them when they think about having pictures taken. You know what? It hasn't when because that's one of the questions I ask. When is the last time you've had professional pictures taken, hmm. professional portraits taken? you know what? I haven't had pictures taken since the kids were little or, you know, the kids are teenagers. Now we haven't had pictures since the kids were a baby. Typically that first child, they have a whole bunch of pictures of the first kid. And then like for number two, three, four, however many after that, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it kind of falls off. Yeah. Um, You know, and so when they start entertaining that idea, you know, I haven't because I planted that seed, right? Well, I haven't had pictures. I want my name to be what comes to mind. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Consistent Facebook, Instagram, social media, TV. And then the other thing is networking in the community. And so I'm a member of the local chamber of commerce in my area. 
I'm a member of, um, you know, we have cities that are kind of side by side. So I'm actually a member of the Chamber of Commerce in both places okay. because, you know, they don't promote you. Because, you know, if you don't have people sharing and engaging in your message, you know, of course, the way the algorithms work is not going to show up. And so that's just another way. And so getting out in the community, sometimes we tend to get introverted when you're working from home, when you're you know not working a traditional nine to five. Yeah. And it's really easy to just get engaged in the online community and not actually getting out and meeting people. And so those are just three of the, of, I feel like, the most effective ways that I found to get my business in front of people. So I've got a few follow-up questions for you. The, the, okay. the consistency on social media, first of all, I... I'm on your Instagram page right now. And for those of you listening in, you're going to want to make sure that you go to short stuff photo, just like it sounds on Instagram. Of course, short stuff photography is the website. We'll link to both of those in the show notes as well. But uh, Keisha, do you have a particular approach or, or I guess philosophy that drives the type of content that you're posting on your Instagram account? Because you have a, a kind of a wide variety of content there on the account. What's the thought process behind it? So each month I kind of try to focus on a particular theme. Okay. So right now um, I'm currently working on senior high school juniors who are going to become seniors next year. Yes. And so that's the focus now. So in April, we're going to move into prom. We're going to move into Easter's. Um, we're getting ready for Mother's Day. Interesting. And so I kind of made a little calendar of different things I, I want to feature each month. And so I go hard for that month on that. That that makes sense. Okay, so having a theme, particularly as a portrait photographer, having a theme for each month and posting content relevant to that theme that makes a lot of sense. And and you know this speaks to the significance of strategy too, because it, it would be easy to just kind of and I've been guilty of this kind of randomly haphazardly post to social media uh, without having a real strategy and plan in place. And and while social media can be fun, ultimately, hopefully, we're using it in a proactive way to drive new business. And, and and also to add value. And we can't as effectively do that without a strategy in place. So I like that idea of a theme for each month. That makes a lot of sense. TV ads, radio ads, this is something that we really haven't touched on uh, in the podcast. I mean, as far as a means of marketing for photographers. And so it, it caught my attention for sure. You, you make an interesting point, first of all, which is the significance of being everywhere. Your clients have commented how they've seen you everywhere. And again, I wouldn't automatically go to TV ads and radio ads. Do you think that the effectiveness of this particular medium is dependent as well on a market? Just for example, like would, would you would you do you think you would do TV ads, radio ads if you were in Atlanta or New York City? Do you think a smaller market is more conducive to TV and radio ads? What's your experience with that? I would imagine that it's cheaper here. Okay. I you know I, it's not as expensive as you think. Okay. That's yeah. It's not as expensive as you think, and I think that just the whole fear of spending the money, and what if I spend the money and you know nothing happens? Right. Fear and perfectionism are survival patterns that traditionally get in the way. Yes. Of, of doing things. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like that goes back to the think and grow rich as well, where you know our subconscious and our beliefs kind of get in the way of what we do. And, and it just, there's still different markets and the older people are still watching TV and listening to radio. Mm. And they're the ones that are usually controlling the purse strings. Yeah. That's actually an interesting perspective to consider. Do you, are you able to effectively track 
who is coming to you from those TV or radio ads. You know, and I, I think about one of the brilliant things about, for example, Facebook marketing and running an ad campaign on Facebook is that I can see detailed statistics associated with that campaign and ultimately gauge the the effectiveness, the the return on investment, if you will. But it seems like it would be a little bit more difficult with TV and radio ads. How do you gauge the effectiveness of them? You're exactly right. It's a lot more difficult. And I just feel like that's part of the seeding process. Now, some of them are going to tell you that, you know, hey, I kept seeing the commercial and I had to come in. Now, now I did the, my commercial a little different. I put some, I don't know, are you familiar with the term trap music? Like like a trap beat? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, at the time when I did it, I thought either I'm going to be a genius or this is going to be the worst idea <laughs> ever. And so my TV commercial is set to some trap music. Yeah. It's, it's the beat. Yeah. And my thought process was I want it when that beat comes on, when when people hear that, that they look up at the TV and say, what is that? Well, it's it's this is something. And for those of you not familiar with it, you, you probably don't even realizing you're he- hearing that beat and a lot of if not most of the popular music on the top 50 playlist right now. You hear that trap beat. I mean, to the extent that it's become a meme and in, in right. culture. Um, so I can, yeah, I can imagine that. I mean, that's, that's so smart too, that you're playing to what's going on currently in pop culture and using that for the sake of capturing the attention of a potential client. But I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just thought that that was really great, but please, please continue. Um, so it's not as easy to track. Um, I feel like this is all part of the seating process and just all of my, in our area, I, I don't know what it's like in different markets, Although a lot of people are on social media, there's still a lot of people who aren't on social media. Yes. And so I just, to put all my eggs in one basket by just doing social media, I right. felt like I was doing myself an injustice. That's, that's really smart. And again, I think that's really great perspective and everybody needs to consider that. I mean, as, as easy as it can be to use social media as a marketing platform, I mean, exactly what you said, Keisha, putting all your eggs in one basket could potentially hurt you, whether it's immediate or potentially down the road. You know, there's there's these kind of theoretical conversations about what if, you know, Instagram goes away or what if Facebook goes away? What's going to happen then? I mean, I remember for those of you listening in who I don't know if you're familiar with the, the platform Vine, but Vine was this video right. platform that was so popular for a very short amount of time. And, and there are certain Vine users who had... Um, millions of users, ultimately, the popular ones. And that literally, that platform goes away. And now this massive following that they have is gone. And they have to figure out how to effectively transfer that popularity, that following to a different platform, if it's even possible. So that's a good reminder for the reality, which is that we can't put everything into just one platform because that can potentially come back to bite us. And I like that mentality here. And the, the third point uh, of, of marketing that you mentioned was, was the significance of networking and community. And you mentioned that the chamber, and this is one that I'm, I'm kind of torn on because I've had, I was never, as a wedding photographer and I shot for over 10 years, I went to local uh, wedding industry vendor networking meetings, if you will, but I, I was never really involved in the chamber meetings. My experience when I, just kind of one-off experiences here and there at attending chamber meetings it, it felt kind of stuffy and a little bit uptight and not the most ideal place for me to connect with somebody to actually have a, a conversation that would translate to potential photography business. So I'm curious about your experience, what the positives, potentially the negatives are, and, and how to best capitalize on those opportunities. 
So everything evolves around relationships okay. and connections, right? And yeah, don't get me wrong. There are some people that are going to be stuffier than others. But my experience has been there's also a lot of businesses that that do business with the chamber as well. And so connecting with those other business owners, because, gosh, how can I say this? We want to to connect with people that have the ability to pay my prices, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to connect with people who love me, but can't afford me. Right. And, and so to, to connect with other business owners who have families, who, you know, are, are growing and running their businesses. Um, and so making those type of connections, going to different events. And so like, if you just think like, okay, I'm going to join the chamber and I'm just going to go to this, you know, one event. If you don't know anybody, you know, it's just going to be a whole lot of standing around a lot of small talk. But once you really make those connections and I got to say, I'm a, I'm a, it's definitely an extrovert. I definitely have the gift of gab. And so for me, you know, I can go in and talk to, to just about anybody. But in a networking event like that, I mean, I, again, I'm thinking back and, and my experience is limited. So I, I understand that, that it's also kind of slanted in, in one way. But one of the things that I think about when I think of a chamber meeting or something comparable is that it's, it's, it's structured in such a way that, that you're going there I, almost, there's almost this formality to it, right? Where it, it starts with somebody, whoever the, that leads the group maybe gets up and does an introduction and then maybe you go around and introduce yourself and now it's time to, to exchange business cards. So everybody's walking around exchanging business cards and it all just seems very kind of put on. It, it doesn't seem like an environment that encourages genuine connection. So when you're talking about making connections that will enable you to, to be able to uh, get past that surface level and to find out if this person even fits your your target market. How do you go about doing that in that environment? So, okay. So in that environment, it may be difficult. So what I did specifically was they have some kind of leadership program, right? That you do. So I've done it in both cities. Okay. And so in that leadership program, you go, it's um, like over the course of like nine months, usually like a school year type of deal from like August to May. Um, and they'll have like a graduation ceremony. And every month we do a different part of our community. So, you know, you'll do like the health, the government, education, they have these different things. And so you're in in this um, this group of people, this you know, for over a course of a year, basically. And so that's how we're building these connections. Wow. And okay. Know each other. Yeah. And so I can tell a huge difference for people who just like, okay, I've seen this event online, so I'm going to come. And hey, I don't know anybody. And everybody seems to be knowing each other. That's because we've built this connection um, over the course of this year. So, yeah, that's that's the difference between my our two experiences. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, and again, to your to your credit, I mean, your smile, your eyes, your energy that you carry is so infectious. I know it'd be really easy to connect with you. Uh, but <laughs> in, in some cases, I think you're kind of the exception to the rule. And uh, and so just. I guess a little bit of perspective as to how to best approach those types of networking meetings is helpful. And and in this case, you're pointing out the significance of the long-term relationship um, mm-hmm. going beyond, again, just that really surface level. Here's my business card. This is what I do. But developing or creating opportunities to get to know someone over time can make a big difference. And and uh, that's definitely good good perspective. And really, as speaking of your perspective in general, I just I really appreciate this conversation today. This has been really helpful. And especially for those 
who are maybe new to the photography industry and they're trying to figure out how to most effectively get started. Uh, the significance of both systems and marketings and your perspective on both are, are really lovely. And I appreciate you making time to, to hang out with us at the Boca podcast and share. Can you just reiterate one more time where our listeners can find you online so that they can follow what you're doing? Yeah. Um, so my website is shortstuffphotography.com. Yes. I have to say again, like one of the, one of the most fun photography business names I've, I've heard to date. I love it. Yeah. And I want to stand out, you know, cause people, people forget names all the time. Yeah. I know your face, but I can't remember your name. <laughs> With short stuff, that's something that tends to stick with people. For sure. Um, so on Facebook is short stuff, um, you know, facebook.com slash short stuff photography. And on Instagram is short stuff photo. Perfect. And, and we'll link to all these in the show notes. Uh, for those of you listening in, if you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com, you can check out the show notes, the resources that we referenced today. Thank you again, Keisha, for making so much time to chat with us. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>